Hello, I'm Jeff Watts. And I'm Paul Goddard. And welcome to the Agile Podcast, the show in which Paul and I discuss what Agile is really all about, over a pint or two in the pub. In each episode, we chat about our experiences as two Agile coaches in today's ever-changing world. So, grab yourself a drink in the bar, pull up a chair, and enjoy what people are saying is probably the best Agile pub-related podcast in the world. Cheers, Pat. Cheers, bird. Cheers, Here we are again, back for another podcast. Due to popular demand. Yeah, it's almost like we, we used to do this really often, and we're trying to get back on our back on it. What you got? What you drinking? It's uh, an old Empire IPA, Ooh. which is yeah, it feels quite old-fashioned and not in a bad way, but it feels actually like. It's unnaturally chilled. It feels like it should be more room temperature. Somebody asked me that the other day. Um, we were organising a party and they said, we've got these bottles of beer, which was like gem. Yep. Bath Ale's gem, or I think it was Doom Bar was the other one. And they said, should it be served at room temperature or should it be chilled? What's your opinion on that, Jeff? I, I would typically err on the side of slightly cooler than slightly too warm. Would you expect it to be in a fridge? Yes, but not necessarily your kitchen fridge. Oh, okay. So like Slightly a chiller. A chiller rather than a fridge, yeah. a standard fridge. Yeah, okay. like a beer chiller. But um, not, because in, in medieval times, it would be served warm. Like yeah, a, a yeah, glass more. of a jug of mead. Yeah. A warm mead. Well, that's mead's different to beer, isn't it? But anyway, yeah. Anyway, we digress. No, and it, it's less flavourful if it's cold. It dulls the senses slightly. It's, yes. It's, you, you get some less aroma. And yeah. so, yeah. Um, but I, 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 if I'm drinking to quench my thirst, then a cooler drink tends to serve the purpose better. Mm-hmm. And you've gone for a... Well, just to change it up, Jeff, I've gone for a Thatcher's Haze. Mm-hmm. So, um, why, uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You don't know art, but you know what you like. Exactly. I'm easy to please, Jeff, as you know. Well, that's good. <laughs> cheers. Cheers to you and cheers to all of our lovely, lovely listeners. So what's occurring, Jeff? What's occurring? Well... Where are we? We're, we're back on the south coast in... I was going to say a new bar. I think we've been here before. We have been here before, and I can't remember what it was called. We'd have to dig through the archives to know what it was called It was before. a different name, definitely. Definitely. I was drawn to the name um, more than anything. Uh, so we are in a bar slash restaurant called Deus Ex Machina, mm. which I, I was drawn to because I, I, don't, I didn't play the game, but I was aware of a, of a video game of that name and then a sort of movie spin-off. But it's older than that. It, it means God of the Machine. Or God from a machine, or basically Deus is God, machine is mm. machine is machine. Um, and while you were at the bar getting the drinks, I did a quick mm. internet search, mm-hmm. and apparently that is also a plot device. So Deus ex machina is a is a plot device to resolve a seemingly impossible scenario. 
that enables uh, a story loop to be closed to the satisfaction of the audience. So like, um, I'm struggling to think of a specific example now, but you're probably better at this than me. So is this like a, a screenwriting thing or like yeah, a, yeah. A, a film or a movie yeah. technique, script, script writing technique? So, all right. So when, um, when I was at school, you had to write a story. Yes. It's, I was always told, don't, don't fall into the cliche of, and it turned out to be all a dream. Yeah, yeah, that's that yeah. classic. <clears throat> um, so it's like a, a quirky twist of fate or yeah. f- act of God that allows a, rather than a clever mm. resolution. Uh, so a bit of a meh. <clears throat> yeah. But I think from, from the what, what I can see around us here, there's motorbikes with the Deus on. I, there so was I think a large like a, motorbike. And I noticed when we came in. Mm. So I think that might be a brand. Yeah. Like a Harley Davidson type brand, maybe. Maybe our listeners could, uh, could set us straight on that one. But yeah, I, I was drawn to it because it was a, it's a very unique name for a pub. And, then, and when we arrived here, I thought we'd been here before. Yeah. But yeah. Um, maybe this is. Uh, maybe this is just filter it's coming through because it's at the front of my mind or maybe it's it's fate or maybe it's relevant but you can't go anywhere these days without anybody talking about ai and yes yeah you know, our machines going to eventually be our overlords and yes yeah you know, the idea of god from a machine and perhaps there's a perhaps there's a big link there the last Last meetup we did, we were we weren't there to talk about AI, but people couldn't help asking about it. No, it's on everyone's minds, isn't it? Hmm. You're not dabbled, not dabbled in that. No, Paul no, Goddard I, AI yet. Everything seems to have AI in the title these days. It's the trend. Apart isn't it? from uh, Spotify, Spotify can now predict, and almost unlike half my own personal DJ now. Yeah. AI DJ. Is it better than it was before? I think it's learning. Okay. I think it's, yeah, the last time I listened to it in the car, it was picking out better, picking out things that I liked that I hadn't listened to before. Because all, we've always, not always, bad choice of words, but for quite a while now, we've had those algorithms that learn mm. and respond. Uh, and I think that's quite a weak form of AI, but I guess it is. Mm. Uh, so, an AI, I, I, I don't, I'm not a Spotify user. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure what my music subscription is. Maybe it's oh, it's I think it's Apple Music. I think other music subscriptions are available. We should yeah. say, shouldn't we? Yeah. Do you, are you a, an optimist or a pessimist about AI? Do you? I think I'm. I started as a pessimist mainly because I've watched too many sci-fi movies where AI is is basically going to be the end of us. Mm. But now I, I'm hearing more and more stories about more useful. Um, it's giving us answers quicker to questions that I know a lot of software developers that use it that can basically ask write me a a routine for this Mm. and it will literally the stuff that would have taken me hours at university or in my first job to write can literally be done in a simple request so won't that won't that mean that those software developers are obsolete well, well, 
it's, that's interesting. Potentially, I suppose the speed at which you can generate code is much quicker when you know what to ask for. Um, but yeah, I think that's it's a good it's a question that if it's well, let's say I'm I'm running a business and I've got a team of software developers that I'm paying sixty grand a year, mm. and all they're doing is using ChatGPT, which is costing them twenty pound a month subscription. Mm. Why why do I need the sixty grand a year developer? Because at the moment you need to know. I suppose you need to know what questions. What is not a product owner's job? Could I not just get away with a product owner and, and chat GPT? I don't know if I think there's maybe a little bit going on behind the scenes at the moment with developers than perhaps product owners or managers realize. Hmm. So that would be my uh, cynical view of the world. But, um, well, no, you're I, I think I'm, I'm potentially playing the cynical part there, and you're saying no, that there's more to this than just typing into chat. No, GPT. yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's um. I think there's there's knowing that which maybe it's a complex complexity thing, or maybe it's a uh, an early experimentation thing. Give me a, a give me some code or some routine that's routines that can do this quickly, and I can run it and see if it works. Prototyping thing. I've used I've used that for like when I want to do some Excel manipulation or something, mm. and I've got a friend of mine who is just ridiculously clever at that kind of stuff and that is his job he, mm. he creates very very clever spreadsheets pivot tables and stuff to to analyze data and provide insights to, to management and I, I remember in the past asking him how do I do this and he would very quickly give me back a formula or whatever mm. but yeah chat GPT can do that quite quite quickly for me you know, if I was in his position I'd be thinking oh, what about my job well, I know I, I, I work with a social media um, a consultant who, again, was quite pessimistic, fearful, I suppose, about ChatGPT um, and how it could effectively be for use for writing content, social media content, blogging. Um, but in fact, now he's turned around and actually uses it to help him, almost help him suggest titles or um, or, or um, topics mm. to help widen his, um, uh, his, his his reach about what, what he should be writing about or what he should be uh, advising his clients to write about mm. and giving them a head start and then you can get a, an initial template or an initial post and refactor it and readjust it and tailor it to whether it's right or not or whether it needs to be improved. I do worry that we're moving more towards I'm not sure there's a, there's a phrase for what I'm trying to say almost like a robot centric world like we're when Agile when you and I started with the Agile side of things there was, it was very much trying to shift a focus away from well, we're just doing tasks. We're just delivering requirements to well, let's speak to our customers. Let's find out mm -hmm. what our, putting the customer that collaboration at the heart of what we do. And then that was also coupled with actually developers are human beings. Mm -hmm. They're quite clever. Mm -hmm. Don't just try and micromanage them. 
you leverage their creativity and, and innovation and so on. And I, I, I think we might be moving away from that now, where most companies are thinking, maybe we need to be really streamlining the whole human side of things and leveraging the more predictable, controllable AI software type thing that don't need holidays, that don't need maternity pay, that don't need mm -hmm. you know, well-being and all the other deficiencies that all these silly little humans have. Yeah. I'm worried that organizations are moving down that path. Am I just being too But surely that's, that's only... Well, you, well, nobody can predict the future, but I think we're more likely to see processes, in, internal company processes um, that would traditionally be done by humans being replaced by more artificial intelligence type solutions. Is that a good thing? Well, to it, perhaps it's at the moment, I think it's a supplementary thing mm. um, for instance, like customer service. Um, first, uh, first line or second line uh, help desk triage. Chatbot type. Yeah, could yeah. be. That's improving all the time and tailored. Almost to the point of the day I was rung by, um, I will say it was, I was rung by Virgin Wines. Right. Uh, cold call. Okay, I was going to say your subscription to Virgin Wines. I don't I don't drink I've wine. never seen you drink a glass of wine in no. my life. It was a, you know, it was a, <laughs> it was a, a brave call you know, to, to make to me. I'm, I wasn't, I wasn't there. Uh, but I think we've we've taken a freebie or we've taken a, a, a discounted sale um, back yeah, yeah. box before. Anyway, they rang up and it was to the point where you know sometimes that you're you're spoken to by what you think is a robot, mm. uh, a kind of a pre-recorded, yeah. timed response. This had a, a, an element of that, but it was, it felt like it was still automated, but, but was tailoring it, tailoring to my responses. Okay. Um, but it was perhaps, I think it, I think, but even I started to second guess myself, is this, am I speaking to a human? Hmm. It just sounded too robotic to be human. Yeah. That might—I might be doing the guy a, a massive disservice. He might just be a lovely, lovely man, uh, but it just almost got me second guessing. The, with the type of thing like that, advertising or help desk um, triage, even you know medical, a GP surgery triage, mm. could that be done by a more intelligent? voice or intelligent response system well yeah and and i suppose my natural instinct there is to say well what do we mean by the word intelligent but there's you know what makes us human what makes us great as a species also is potentially our our weakness in that we're not very we're not very objective you know, emotion and our cognitive biases, conditioning, can significantly influence what we do and how we do it and why we do it. I agree, but a lot of companies still pride themselves on their customer emotional connection. That sells. That that 
that increases a sense of loyalty. And you hear it all the time that I stay with that cust that that cut business because of how they dealt with my inquiry, how personal the experience was. You'll go back to a restaurant that you like because of the relationship you, you uh, and the service that you got. Yeah, and I think you've 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 linked two very different things there. Well, so there's the service industry where you can have a connection with another human and would that be the same if it was whatever the name of the robot from the Jetsons is I don't know what that is but yeah some kind of android on wheels yeah. or whatever probably not in some cases perhaps that, that's a good thing but then the service from an organisation I think there's a lot there's a lot in there that actually if you could take human error out of the equation and take something that is very predictable, repeatable and solvable that, that would give you a much cleaner customer experience. I don't want to have if I knew I was going to my contact was going to be with a well organised, efficient system mm. I'd probably be, be more comfortable than having to speak to a human that I might think, if I make a complaint yeah, I know what you mean, yeah that's going to be a, a conflict. Yeah, I know. Or, or, yeah. So where it's more transactional, where you just want some kind of, you just need a resolution. Just need here's my problem, and I want to resolve. Yeah. As long as it can be resolved, and I think that's where at the moment is. I suppose this is where I, where I'm going with this, and I think we still need to be people focused, but we need to leverage the technology to enable us to be more people focused with our limited time and resources. So I talked to product owners, product managers, product leaders about you will never have enough hours in the day to do everything to be a great product leader. Mm. You have to delegate, you have to prioritize, you have mm -hmm. to be ruthless. But with effective use of technology and AI, perhaps they could do more they, but then it's a little bit like your uh, your your personal expenditure increases as your salary increases you know you tend to just when you've got more to spend you tend to spend it yeah if product owners freed up more time they'd find more stuff to do with that free time yeah um, maybe but <clears throat> I think we've got a choice to make where we use AI, mm -hmm. and I, I'm probably going to oversimplify this, but you got the the clear and obvious, the repeatable, the predictable, the monotonous, almost the automatable. Yes. And humans don't relate very well to monotony. We get bored. We make mistakes. We, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Someone told me the parable of the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. And that's just basically somebody got bored with their job. Yeah. So they wanted to create some drama for themselves. And a, and, a, and a machine system can deal with that much better than a human. And then you've got the complex space, which I think everyone pretty much agrees induces anxiety. We don't like ambiguity. We don't like stuff that we don't understand. We don't like things that we can't control. That, that makes us anxious. And we, it's draining. So if you could 
maybe delegate that to clever machines, mm. we could almost step out of the complex domain, mm. go back to a less stressful experience as a species, and focus on the complicated, which is challenging, but less stress-inducing. Do we... I mean, I don't know enough about human psychology to be able to answer this much myself, so I'll put it out there as an open-ended, potentially rhetorical question. Do we, inherently as human beings, do we enjoy problem solving? Do we need problem? Do we need to be able to solve problems in order to feel fulfilled in life? Or could we go through life as humans being comfortable that all our problems are being solved by machines? You, you position that as a rhetorical question, but I'm going to answer. <laughs> and... I will I'll, so I'll refer to motivation, you know, Dan Pink's model, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. We 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 create challenges for ourselves. Yeah, I know you're on Duolingo. Correct. Yeah. Uh, as are you, Jack. Yeah, yeah. we're competing. So you're not, not getting. There's no financial benefit to that. There's no. It's not going to give you a better job. It's not going to get you a better. But we like challenge, mate. Personal challenge. Yeah. That's personal challenge. We do so crossword. We do crossword. Personal well. challenge surely is something that we don't want AI to solve. And I, I think that's what you were asking. Yeah. Can we go through life without challenge? I don't think as a species we can. I think we will create. We part of our definition as a species is we've constantly pushed the boundaries and we've constantly tried to progress. Sometimes simply for the sake of it. And that's not been a good thing for the long term of our species and the planet that we're on. But I don't but think... Also, there's a, there's a catharsis, isn't there, to this? That in terms of the same reason why my dad will pick up a crossword or my wife will do a jigsaw. Mm-hmm. It's not particularly taxing, but it's engaging your brain. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't like to think that we're trying to simplify our our existence so much that we don't have to. We become, our brains become redundant. And I, and I agree with that. And I don't think that's, I don't think humankind will choose that. Mm. So then we're to the moral, the moral part of this in terms of, will we have a choice? Well, that so that that that's kind of where yeah, that's why I worded it that way. <laughs> but I think <clears throat> maybe maybe I mentioned this in a previous podcast. But you know, I'm inspired by how we've been able to leverage machine learning and artificial intelligence to help us develop a, a new antibiotic that human beings hadn't done for decades, and statistically wouldn't have achieved for decades, if not longer. There are there are complex problems out there that we can use AI to solve. I, I can't imagine humans actually solving the climate problem. I think that will have to be solved in some way through artificial intelligence. It's like um, Einstein, Einstein's famous quote, isn't it? That the problems we're facing can't be solved at the same level of thinking that they were, which they were created. Yeah. But I, so we have, 
Well, same level. Yeah. We, I mean, we have evolved our intelligence as a species because every generation generally has a higher yeah. average IQ. Um, but I don't think it's expanding fast enough to cope with the level of complexity of the problems that we're facing. No. Um, it will always, I think the problems will always outdo the intelligence or, or supersede or be a step ahead. Like, I was just going to say, and again, I don't know if there's an answer to this. There probably isn't. And I'm probably opening a huge um, Pandora's box asking this, but if, so ChatGPT Chat was available, what, what, that, what, last couple of years, I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We had a pan, global pandemic arise three years ago. Mm-hmm. If we had the level of artificial intelligence now, then, that we had now, would we have, would it have been tackled in a diff- different way? Would humans have relied on it more, asked it more questions? Hmm. Not convinced. Not convinced. Because that is a COVID was a classic trial and error problem. We'd never experienced it before. Human beings had to try and find a way to navigate it through experimentation. I think we would have possibly found vaccines quicker and cheaper I'm pretty confident in that through quicker trial and error so simulation yeah. models yeah. and so on I think we would yeah <clears throat> but but social experimentation yeah in terms of no I don't think so I don't think AI could have advanced that much quicker no but yeah this idea of people saying I where we are, whether you're, pos- whether you're optimistic or pessimistic about the role of AI, I think where we are right now, I see a move away from be- from people-centric, human-centricity, when actually I think we need more of a move towards. Now, I know, I know for a fact we've spoken before about how the reaction to the pandemic what that reaction has been or, and we, predict, we predicted it I'm not saying we predicted it like Nostradamus but we, we predicted it and I think we're seeing a, um, we've seen a loss of trust, a degradation of trust within the workplace mm. and I think that's that's led to a move away from employee centricity uh, maybe it's a maybe it's a pendulum thing. You know, we saw mm. a big move away from theory X towards theory Y. Maybe it's now taking a bit of a step swing back towards theory X. Um, interestingly, there was a friend of ours, Valerie McLean, sent me through some um, recently a uh, a study that was done by um, a German academic. Utz Schaefer, who who's done a lot of work on. Yes, I think he's an accountant. Um, so one of my tribe, <laughs> uh, boring people that we are. Uh, but he's he, he was doing some work on motivation theory x theory y, and he was doing some studies, like academic studies, not like our anecdotal studies that yeah. we do. Yeah. Um, and 
I'm going to oversimplify this, but basically I think he came to the conclusion comparing <coughs> people our age mm. to people on his master's degree program on average about 19, 20 years old, something like that. So people our age generally are more likely to think of themselves and other people as theory X, whereas younger people are more likely to think of themselves as theory Y. And he, he managed to find some correlation between your length of time in the system, mm. so in business, and your propensity to gravitate towards theory X. So basically, the system grinds you down. Mm -hmm. it, it, it grinds your optimism and trust out of you the longer you're in the system um, I think that's that's quite interesting I wonder whether I wonder whether there's a your theory X theory I think there were a few things out there different types of theory Z or whatever just because it was an X letter in the alphabet but I think there's potentially something somewhere in the middle of where we are right now because conditions have changed so much since McGregor and think there's a different kind of definition maybe it's generational mm. maybe that's too simplistic I think yeah I think you're right I think the longer you spend working within a certain system infrastructure or, or kind of environment you are conditioned to that environment to that way of thinking that it's harder for you to see a different point of view it's the same reason why people move jobs or, or people don't move jobs because they can't see a different way they start to they're, they're, and we saw it in BT that the level of cynicism increased with the length of time that you spent generally the length of time that you spent in the organisation yeah interestingly not not completely and who was it uh, Sean Aker yeah, he did that talk on happy yeah. he, he he looked at a graph and said, yeah, you can look at the trend, you can look at the averages, but he's really interested in the outliers. Yeah, and you know I can pick out a couple of names from our time at BT who wouldn't fit that. So yeah, most people and we can call them Ian um, <laughs> would be yeah you know, they've been there for forty years and they've just become more cynical and more pessimistic every year. Um, Paul Jeffries that's his real name that's his real name I'm pretty <laughs> sure he won't be listening to this I'm pretty sure he won't be listening I don't um, think he's a public incredibly yeah, theory he, if you look at if you if you just observed him for a week you, you definitely buy into the idea of theory X that people are lazy mm. but um, where was I going with this yeah I, I could name you a few people who had been in that same company for the same length of time yet weren't cynical, weren't pessimistic, weren't lazy. And I think those are more interesting to study. Mm. So what what has kept their optimism, what has kept their positivity, what has kept their enthusiasm, their proactivity? I don't think it would be naivety. And that that's the interesting... I think that if you could bottle something, it would be that. If you can be in the system that's geared against you because we are and I, so I, last week I was in Serbia doing a talk mm. and part of my talk was kind of pointing the finger at us mm. to the audience me included yeah and saying that 
we can complain about the system, we can complain about our leaders, we can complain about, but ultimately we are as much to blame for whatever's going on. Um, so it's a little bit harsh. I was being a little bit provocative. It was being a little bit challenging. But there was also, I wanted to make sure that there was a high degree of empathy in there because we're all operating in a system that is actually geared for suboptimal decisions. So the, 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 the overall point of the talk was we've lost, we've, we, we just don't, fo we don't focus on high quality and, and diligence and excellence in our craft anymore. We're, we're encouraged to just go surface level, whether that be a two-day certification, whether that be um, becoming an agile coach with two years experience. Mm. We're, we're, the system is incentivizing surface level rather than deep mastery. Yeah. And the more you're in that system, the more it becomes normalized and the more you can excuse yourself and other people for making those decisions. But ultimately, you've got to look yourself in the, in the mirror and say, am I proud of what I'm doing? And am I okay with what I'm doing? And I think the Ian's and the Paul's have sort of had that beaten out of them mm. and they've maybe they're in denial maybe they're accepting it but then you I, you, you can look at your Sean's you can look at your Den's and you can look mm. at those people and say but they haven't but those Sean's and Den's um, were people people true they were very people focused people and they tended to care deeply well certainly at least to us care deeply about us as people that's a really really good point thank you and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what to do with it <laughs> but so there's I'm reaching for something here and saying you know, if we were to, to study and bottle what what keeps that people focus this is ridiculous what I'm going to say, but it's making sure that we've got people, people. And that that is, that is the standard, that is the role model, that is, that's the values. And we, we need to set values. Going back to AI again, our, our role in this, while we are still at the top of, you used this phrase earlier, earlier on, I, I like it, this idea that you know, humans have become the dominant species because they have been the most intelligent. Well, it's not going to be long until we're not the most intelligent. No, I, I don't think it's that far away at all. But while we are still, yeah. if we are, mm. then our role to ensure a future people-centric world is to make sure that we're setting the right guardrails, the right principles, the right values, the right ethics mm. for the society where we aren't going to be the most intelligent mm. that's the worry isn't it that's the at the moment there seem to be whether you look at it organizationally or you know globally there seems to be very little constraints around how ai can be or will be exploited and that's i suppose that's where some of my mm. cynicism comes from is that i've seen too many science fiction movies that you haven't mm. <laughs> mm. um whereby 
eventually machines take over the world and, and it's apocalypse and judgment day hmm. and uh, the rise of the machines and Arnold Schwarzenegger comes back goes back in time hmm. to kill a uh, a woman who's about to give birth to the alright spoiler alert sorry sorry well <laughs> yeah. that's so and without that experience of those movies to draw on <laughs> I'm taking a stab in the dark, but you tell me if this if this this matches up to Hollywood. That human beings are the the cause of their own downfall. Yes, because I think we do have that fundamental flaw of. And okay, here's here's a here's a here's a leap. If we really do become more people centric that could be the downfall of people right bear with me so if we so people sent human centric is around designing systems and products and processes with the human experience at the center so making sure that the human experience is positive and joyful and whatever now as human beings we are subject to all sorts of cognitive biases but one of them that that i find fascinating that has two names is short-term hedonism or temporal discounting basically mm-hmm. that we that we prefer the now over the future we prioritize short-term pleasure over long-term gain or growth yeah so if we become really people-centric our natural predisposition to short-term hedonism yes will mean that we sacrifice our future we we look for pleasure from ai yeah and we don't think about the long-term consequences whether that be for the supremacy of machines over the humans or to quote Thoreau what use is there in having an amazing house if there's no planet that's you know no tolerable planet for that house to be on mm. we sacrifice the planet for our short-term pleasure mm. So maybe people-centric isn't the right thing for people. Or maybe you have to look, people have to look beyond their own, their current generation. Which so far we've proven unable or unwilling to do. Mm. We've always mortgaged our children's future for Mm. our own generation's gain. Yeah. And even when the evidence is staring us in the face. I don't think we're necessarily capable. So maybe Deus ex machina, mm. maybe the robots will be our saviour because they will force us to be more practical, sustainable, um, and force us to do what we need to do to survive. Or they'll wipe or us out. Kind of almost like be able to predict... Okay, it's proper science fiction now, but be able to predict the future. Well, the best way of predicting the future, future is creating, isn't it? Well, or at least modelling, you know, hmm. what, given these scenarios, this is potentially what's going to happen to our planet. Well, we've had those models for a long time, haven't we? And we don't pay attention to them as no. a species. No. Certainly not globally, we don't. No. If I could vote for any human being to be president of the earth or 
Would you vote for an AI president of the year? I probably would. Would you? Probably would. Because I would trust the cold, hard logic of a over a machine the, based learning. Over the um, corruptibility of a human. Because we're all. Yeah. We are pre predisposed to be influenced by people we like or 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 not be influenced by people that we don't like. Yeah. So politicians, even scientists, even people that can be the most credible academics, if we don't believe them or like them, are we going to listen to them? Hmm. Wow. I reckon this is the deepest, most philosophical podcast ever. I think ever. it's a, a manifesto, you kind of... Uh, if you ever want to go into politics, Jeff, you know. I did. I, I, I did have a little stint in politics. Did you? I was a, a local councillor for a couple of years. Made sure we had enough uh, bags for the dog, pin, dog poo bins. Um, <laughs> and the uh, the local traffic lights, they were too bright, so we had to dim them down. All oh. big, big, big decisions. Life-changing stuff. Yeah. Temporary bus stops where the bus was stopping outside people's bedroom windows and people on the top deck could see in people's bedroom windows. We had to change that. Yeah, all sorts of... Uh, yeah. But, yeah, science fiction, this is the thing, science fiction is not really, a, a, for, in many regards, it's not really a fiction anymore, mm. is it? No. It's becoming science fact. It's definitely catching up, isn't it? Yeah, when, when you were a boy long time ago science fiction was 50 years in the future. I remember reading 1984 and then whatever, and mm. back to the future and we've gone past the time when that was reality and so on yeah and you were trying to predict things so far into the future now it, you know, it's difficult to see what's going to be what the world's going to be like in five years time it's probably going to be dramatically different maybe it's not maybe I'm overestimating it but it seems like that short term future is it's going to be significantly different every couple of years. Mm. Which should be an interesting journey. Scary, because it's unsettling, going back to that idea of we don't like being in that uncertain, ambiguous mm. space. But it should be a in very interesting time to be alive. I think we're going to see some of the biggest changes ever. If we okay. haven't already. Yeah. Sure. And we're going to need a few drinks to get us through it. Well, that was. And celebrate the wins and the progress and commiserate. But drink responsibly. For that level of philosophy, I'll, I'll uh, clink my glass to that. Cheers, mate. Cheers, all. Nice to see you.